Well, it's officially springtime. No, I don't mean the season. I mean time to spring into action by going to www.nttfgpod.com and subscribe. I'm Rock. And I'm Archie. Well, our opinions, eh, they might not matter to some, but... What are you doing in there? It's a podcast! Immature. Crash. Trashy. And those are their good qualities. These poor schmucks are a couple of IQ points away from eating paste. But when it comes to music, sports, and comedy, well, that's all they know. You're listening to Not These Two Fucking Guys. Not These Two Fucking Guys podcast. Uh, hey, Rock. Yes, sir. Uh, you know how you come, you know, how you, uh, you, you like to once in a blue throw me a little praise and say, Archie is the guy who turns me on to new music. Yeah. You're my, you're my music finder. Okay. Well, get out your notebook. I just found you some new music. Have you ever heard of the artist? Now I'm a little late to the game because this artist has like millions of like listeners but I'm a little late to the game, but he's new to me and I can't stop listening to him the past week. Have you ever heard of the artist jelly roll? No, maybe. Is he like a white rapper? Correct. Okay. For some reason, for some reason, I think I may know who he is. All right. Well, do yourself a solid. After we get off, at your leisure, give him a little googs and listen to him. Now, on Serious Octane, I heard a song called Dead Man Walking. Really good song. In fact, it was a, it was like if almost like Chris Stapleton went hip hop rock. You know what I'm saying? Really? Yeah. Like, like, it, it, like, it's got that southern draw to it. It's got like that hip hop flavor. It's got that rock. It's got that guitar. And I heard it, and then I heard it again, and then I heard it a third time. And this is just random times in the car. I was like, you want to know what? I, I fucking love this song. Who is this dude? Jelly Roll. And why would you name yourself after a delicious dessert? So I had to find him. I googled him. I went on Spotify first thing, and. Great, Jelly Roll didn't pull his shit off in support of uh, <laughs> Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna take off all my motherfucking music. He, there's a song called "Save Me" that's like number one, forty-seven play, forty-seven million plays on Spotify. Mm-hmm. It's a ballad, and I went, "Whoa!" His lyrics are just so lyrical. His lyrics are just so fucking like they're deep, they're moving, they're not complicated, they're to the point. And they just make sense. And they're very relatable to anybody who has got a little a little bit down on their luck. But Save Me is a fucking awesome song. Now, I do a deeper dive. And I'm like, oh, he's a fucking rapper. Like, this guy's, a, this, this guy's like, if you put fucking Chris Stapleton, Bubba Sparks, uh, fucking, uh, wow. who, who else does he see? He sounds like somebody else. But, uh. You can determine for yourself. Well, he's a fucking good rapper. He's got that Southern fucking rap to him. Bro, everything about this dude, I am digging right now. I got to do a deeper dive into his older shit, but there's uh, his latest e- his latest album called Broken. I think it's called, it's called Ballads of the Broken. It's all guitar driven with a hip hop feel. And then you can listen to his earlier stuff as like more hip hop with bass driven like that. You know what I'm saying? Like sins, mm-hmm. uh, ballads of the broken, his top Spotify tune, save me creature bottle and Mary Jane. And one that you would really relate to. It's called same asshole. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is Archie's pick jelly roll Rocco. Check him out. Everybody out there. Give him a listen. If you haven't heard him before, Jelly Roll on Spotify, everywhere you get your music, you will not be disappointed. Archie's pick. Take it.
Yo, Rock. What's up, dude? I am feeling good, my friend. Encouraging, I might add. You see the smile? Look at that. <laughs> this is a result of our next guest. Not only does he scream positivity, but his background in rock and roll holds something near and dear to our hearts, bro. Is that right? Oh, yeah. He's an author, an entrepreneur, speaker, life coach. Welcome to Not These Two Fucking Guys podcast, Mike Diamond. What's up, brother? What's going on, guys? We're, we're dealing with, uh, first of all, I love the name of the podcast. We're dealing with technical stuff, right? But we've got first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. There's the positivity right off the bat. <laughs> we could be in the Ukraine, right? Living in a goddamn bomb shelter. And oh. we're, we're like worried about a 10 minute delay on Zoom. Like, I seriously. Know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So, so I just go, go, oh, go. You yeah. guys shoot. Ask whatever you want. Oh, go yeah, for well, it. Uh, Rocco and I are big fans of Kane and Booker from back in the day, Alt 92.3 K-Rock, okay? So, I saw you on the Kane and Corey podcast a couple weeks back, and I, I listened to them. I'm a fan, so I listened to them, and I'm like, this guy seems really, really... Wait a minute. I fucking played that club. That's the <laughs> name. That's the name of the club. Oh, oh, for years, I go to Rocky. I'm like, Rock, we played this club in the city. We did it twice. We, we, we've done Acme Underground. We've done Bitter End. We've done CDs. Yo, Snitch Rock Club was one of the best fucking gigs that we had in New York City from a New Jersey band, okay? We went there. I think it was Rock. What would you say? Five? 2005-ish, okay. potentially. The curtain, it was like an oval... Uh, you own the club. <laughs> oval, just to let the people out there know. Oval stage, very small. Curtains are closed. And we're like, you know, it, it, it might be good tonight. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the city's, you know, sometimes it could be a bust. The curtains opened. And people were fucking lined up against the stage. And we were just a local band. I don't know who we booked. I don't know who I talked to. This is a thousand years ago. But Snitch Rock Club was one of the coolest rock clubs in New York City, and you were part owner of it, correct? Yeah. So what what I wanted to do, um, I'll give you the backstory. Yeah. I, coming from Australia, I came from Perth, right, which is the most isolated capital city in the world. And I had a record deal years before then. And for me, the most important thing was I went to CBs. And I thought no one really supports the bands. And CBs got famous when the bands got famous after CBs. And there was this void. And I was lucky enough to work in the club business at Pangaea and Chaos. But I wasn't really a club guy. I was a rock guy. So I thought, you know what? Why hasn't someone opened a bar and hybrid it? And I went and saw Trigger from the Continental, who was a friend. And I played there, I played Mercury Lounge and played Tibis. And I said, why, why don't you have a situation where you throw a party, bring on the band as the highlight, and then keep the party going? And he goes, yeah, yeah no one does that. I go, but why? <laughs> and I go, wouldn't it be better to fill the room for the band? You're expecting the bands to fill the room. But why, don't, why, don't the, why do the musicians have to fill the room? Yeah. And it was so not New York. So what people didn't know is Brett Scallion from Fuel was a really good friend. And at the time, he, you know, Velvet Revolver was just hitting. And he he introduced me to Duff and then Scott jumped in Wyland. But no one thought I could pull off Velvet Revolver opening night. They thought this guy from Australia's, you know, smoking peyote. How the fuck's he going to do this? <laughs> now, I was snorting a lot of coke and drinking a lot, but I knew I could fill the room myself. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just fill the room. And if they shot first night, which I had to hustle to get them there, and it hit, and then it was just like an avalanche. I mean, we had Papa Roach. We had, I mean, Fieldy from Corn played down. Um, uh, what was it? Corey Taylor from Slipknot played an acoustic show. Um, we had, awesome. I mean, the Killers, the Killers played one of their first shows at Snitch. I didn't know who they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew uh, the booking agent and he goes, I've got this band. They're going to be huge, but could they just come and play a couple of songs? And they played and I was like, who the fuck is this? So it was like one of those random things. Yeah. We, wow. had, we had such a great night that night. Um, to The vibe, the people, 
the I, I remember to this day. I, just, I couldn't remember the fucking name of the club for some reason, but I remember Send Dog was there, and he he's performing songs. Yeah. Like, like he just walked. I'm like, this is the fucking greatest club ever. One of the guys that hooked that up, my friend Renee Marta, who actually discovered Maroon Five, he was best friends with Send Dog, and Be Real. And he said, "Hey, do you want me to bring Cypress Hill down? Because what would happen?" And I guess for me, the whole idea of Snitch was to try to get the biggest band in the world on the smallest stage. Yes. <laughs> because this is before social media, right? You know, yeah. social media ruins live performance. Because if you were at Snitch or you were at a place in New York, real New York, you had to be there. Yeah. And so you wanted to be there and experience that New York moment. Now you could just go on YouTube or pick up a phone. And the problem is, you could tell your own story. You didn't have to put on a fucking Instagram story. Mm-hmm. You were the story. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're like, Absolutely. dude, I was in the fucking club and this went down. They're like, I got to get there. I got to get there. And that it doesn't exist anymore. We're oversaturated with all this crap now because there's too much access. And that was always the buzz about Snitch is that uh, at any given night, you can see somebody famous there. And that, and that was a, a cool thing. I, I never forget, dude, and I was never a pot smoker. I was cocaine and drinking, right? And and a friend of mine goes, Kane and Kane and Booker came every fucking night, <laughs> every night, every night, and ran Matt Pinfield, everyone. It was, and one night I was, I never got baked, and I got so stoned, and I never liked smoking pot. I was not a pothead. I could do acid, do anything else. And a friend of mine goes, dude, Matt's here to see you, and I'm like, Matt, oh fucking Matt. And it's Matt Dillon. I don't know him personally, but someone, a friend of a friend, said, go, go see this guy, Mike Diamond. He's the owner. I am so stoned, right? And he's <laughs> talking to me, and I'm trying to put what he's saying together, and I'm looking at him. He goes, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm so baked out of my tits right now. I, I don't know what to say to you. I just don't know what to say to you. And he's giggling, and I was getting him, you know, chatting to him. And, like, all night, my everyone was like, I'm like, dude, I, I, all right, yeah, I like you. You're Matt Dillon, but I don't know what to say. I'm too stoned. I'm just too, too baked to talk to him. I was just, like, completely fried. Ruined the whole night. I was just out of my mind. That's so funny. But we had, like, so many experiences and that, I mean, oh, true story. And I've got the photos to prove it. One night, because we were on 23rd and 6th, right? And it was rock, you know, Hell's Angels and rock and roll. I didn't want to do a hip hop club. And they call me up. They're like, dude, there's a dude in the back. Um, He's a drug dealer, I think. And we're not sure what he's doing in the club. And I was like, well, why don't you fucking go over and say something to him? So I walked to the back of the club and it's Jay-Z. I'm not bullshitting you. If you can see that picture. That's great. Jay-Z and uh, Beyonce's sister in the oh, back of the club. And you see the red curtain? Yep, so you yeah. know it's Snitch. Oh, yeah. And I go I go to him, true story. I go, hey, Jay-Z. He goes, yeah. I go, you know, I'm going to be straight with you. He goes, what? I said, they thought you were a drug dealer. He goes, well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, can I get a picture? He goes, fuck yeah. So I snapped the picture. And I go to the rest of the guys' club. I go, dickhead. It's Jay-Z and Beyonce's sister. They're like, really? I go, yeah, pay attention next time. Because it's, it's a black dude in the club yeah. and it's a rock club. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. he wanted to he wanted to listen to some rock and disappear and not be bothered. And because sure. the one thing about Snitch that we did, we had a rule. We, I, even though I was friends with Wyland, I have so many photos. I shot a VH1 pilot with him. We didn't, we didn't put shit out in the press. Mm-hmm. I didn't want, if you were in the club, it, the doors were like, there was no bullshit. I didn't want people to say stuff. You could do whatever you wanted. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want yeah. to sell stories. Yeah. I didn't want to be the guy. And it worked for me because now as a sober coach, ironically, as an interventionist, I now take care of a lot of celebrities that I knew from the bar business. It just went full circle. Full and circle. because I don't open my mouth, like I'm like, no, nah, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> and if people ask me about someone, even if yeah. I were on, no, I didn't want to put my yeah, I don't know what I you're think. talking about. You know what I mean? It's like oh, yeah, keep it on absolutely. the. You don't have to. Everyone puts their shit online. You don't have to put your shit online. Keep it to yourself. You know, good that you brought that up. You know, full circle because we can get into you know, TV, New York Inc., Miami Inc., Bondi Inc. There's a lot of there's a lot of facets to you, bro. But what I want to get to today is 
more of the positive talk. So right now, I know you have a couple books out, right? You got Seven Steps of Unbreak. I think it's Unbreakable Mindset. Seven Step Unbreakable yeah. Mindset. I have that book out, and I just signed a publishing deal for my second book called A Dose of Positivity. Okay. Now, if you don't mind, uh, if you can give our listeners out there just a little background of like, so so they know you came from that world. Now, where where did you transcend into being a yeah, life absolutely. coach? So here's the thing. Um, I always say that the right way is hard. The easy way ends up hard. So just because it, 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 it if it feels right, it's hard. It's a process. Anyone that says there's a shortcut, look, life's a marathon, not a sprint. You have to delay gratification. You have to do the work. And if I tell you to get up every day, right, and look, look here's, the, here's the thing that people don't understand. No one did an intervention on me. I was with Wyland. We were friends. And I could see his life going in a direction. And I was doing this VH1 show. And we were partying hard. And I had this moment, this moment of clarity and an epiphany. I was like, you know what? Where am I going to be in 10 years? You know what I mean? I, I think yeah. I need to get sober. And I was, if you looked on it on paper, superficially, you have a club with Scott and Duff. You shot Miami Yink. You're shooting a fucking show with Scott Weiland. I mean, who can say they're shooting a show with Scott Weiland? I came yep. from nothing, man. I came from nothing. In, in Perth, nothing. No one yeah. gave me a chance. Undiagnosed dyslexic, kicked out of school for drugs. Like, there's no way you could, you could make this up. And I was like, you know what? It's not right. And I call it destination disease. And what it is is you arrive at a destination and you think it's going to be different than it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And life isn't about arriving. The, 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 one mountain is the summit to the next. You just got to keep going through. So when I got sober, it was simple. I just went to meetings, went three meetings a day, shut up and did the work. I wasn't looking for a white light experience. I was like, I just want to try this sobriety thing out. And then life started to show me different things because I was clear and I was sober and I was taking responsibility. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't cutting corners for once. So yeah. when you say you got, when you get, when you say you got sober, like if you could talk us through like, like the days before that, like what were you doing? Like what, what was the, like how bad was it? It was bad. I was doing an eight ball of Coke a day and a bottle of vodka comfortably and getting up and function, functioning, going to work wow. every day because this is the problem. I grew up work hard, play hard. So sure. I grew up drinking at 12, 11, 12 years old. And then at 15 was drinking like an adult playing rugby and playing Australian rules football. So that's what we did. We went to the pub. We drank. There was no ID. Go in, you drank like a man. You get up the next day and you play. And that mentality is still in Australia and England and Irish. Like they say, this is what we do. It's culture. You drink and you get in fights. So I was just driven like that. It's kind of like when you watch Wolf of Wall Street and you're like, you know, back, I used to know guys that could do an eight ball of Coke and then go do million dollar deals at six in the morning. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. that's dangerous because you're feeding the beast. And I was feeding the beast. And then it wasn't, it wasn't about finances to me. It wasn't about what I was building. It was, I was empty inside spiritually. I knew it was bullshit. I was living a lie. It was all bullshit. It was all fabricated. And so then when I slowed down and I got sober and I was like, you know what? Life's not about what you accumulate. It's like they say, it, it, people won't remember what you say. People won't remember what you write. What they'll remember is how you made them feel. And I was like, how am I making people feel? I'm a dick. I'm running through relationships because I'm too fucking stuck in my head. Do you know what I'm saying? Wow. Like I was just, yeah. everything yeah, yeah. was just fucking up my nose, in my mouth, short fix, threesomes. And dude, I, if, if I had a friend of mine stay, stay with me from Australia. He was supposed to stay a week, stay like five months. He goes, I've never, this is a whole nother fucking world. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he grew up with me as a kid. Yeah. Like imagine growing up with me and then and, then, and kids that I went to high school with and then you're standing in a club with some of the biggest rock stars in the world and it, it's all bullshit because you think that you've got the world by the balls, but you haven't. The world's got you by the balls. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, like, oh, yeah. it's like people post their highlight clips on uh, social media and, you know, it's like, no, no, no. What's going on deep down? So then I turned it around. And I didn't expect to be working with people in sobriety. I was shooting TV shows. And yeah, then yeah. I always go with my intuition. I knew it was right to stop drinking and doing drugs. 
And I was a guy that would get in at four in the morning. Now I get up at three in the morning and started to say, you know what? I need to be of service to others. There's yeah, people yeah, yeah. out there. That, and, and I was told, this is the truth. They're like, don't talk about your, your life story. You know, s- save that for the room. So I'm like, fuck that. I'm not embarrassed. And, and when I was working for, because I got hired by companies to do interventions and sober coach, it wasn't something I expected to do. Yeah. Well, I was just going to do TV and film. And then people started to reach out with me and said, could you go, you know, help this person or help that person? And because it had relationships with a lot of people, I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? But it wasn't something I, it was, I was, it wasn't something I was thought I would do. It was something I was called to do. There's, there, there's a common theme that I kind of, that I'm hearing with the, some of the interviews that I listened prior to this, the law of attraction with you. I, I, you're a big believer in the law of attraction. Can you? Yes. There's a there's a story that I uh, that I'd love for our listeners to hear. Um, there was a story about a and please, uh, if I butcher it, I, I apologize. A woman, right. that, a woman that had cancer and that you helped yeah. out. Can yeah. You yeah. So the small yeah, uh, snippet of that. So what it is is I don't but I don't have all right. So it, let's just take this back. 1902, J.D. Rockefeller put 120 million dollars into the school system curriculum, and you know what he said. He goes, we don't want forward thinkers or entrepreneurs or artists. We want workers. Okay. Okay? It's a dated paradigm to keep you stuck, right? I don't go in the front door when someone gives me information. I step back. I go around the back. I go down below. I'll I'll, I'll dig a a hole in the bottom and go for the vault. I ain't going in the front door, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. So in life, when someone gives me information, I don't take that as, as, as the word. You look. Rules are meant to be broken. Laws are meant to be respected. Spiritual laws are meant to be followed. Okay, you reap what you sow. Cause and effect. Right. The law of attraction. Like attracts like. So a friend called me and said they've given my mom six weeks to live. They put her in hospice. She's going to die. I said bullshit. How do you know that? Who fucking told you that? I said give me all the information and let me study it. So give me a day. So I went online and I, I went online, I gathered it, and she had a rare melanoma, fourth stage in, in, in her ass, right? Really bad. No chance. So I did enough research and I found there was a guy who deals with this exact case, right? So I okay. always did gather more information. So I sat there and I left like 36 messages on the phone. You need to call me. You need to call me. You need to call me. You need to call me because I'm persistent as fuck, being an <laughs> addict. <laughs> And the, the lady called me back. She's like, you've left 36 messages. I said, yeah, because they they want to put this lady in hospice. They've given her a death sentence. I know that your boss, the, the doctor, can help her. So we go to meet with them, and they're like, nah, it, you're not in our network. But there is a lady that does the similar thing. I said, let's do it. And I got everyone around the family. I said, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. You've got to be positive. You know what I mean? You've got to put it out in the universe that you will heal. So we met with this doctor. She was amazing. They were kind of doubting like, me being positive. I'm like, no, you can figure this shit out. Just yeah. be fucking positive. Yeah. And she said, look, there's a trial medication. It's like 16 weeks. I'm like, let's just do it. I mean, they're giving you six weeks to live. Why not? Swing for the fences. <laughs> yeah. She did the trial medication. She's in fucking remission and still alive. That's awesome. Now. My point, the reason I say this is this. When I was, I was told I had a 1% chance of healing myself after I went through septic shock and my appendix bursts, right? Okay. okay. The doctor said you got a 1% chance of like, if you don't take out your colon, 99% you'll get colon cancer in, you know, six months. I said, bullshit. I healed myself naturally. And the, the year after, ran 30 half marathons in 30 days to raise money for a girl, and I'd only run one half marathon before that. <laughs> so 30 the, half marathons in 30 days? Yeah. Holy with shit. With a hernia. With a hernia. A year after running one. I ran one because he said to me, you'll never run again. I pushed my baby in the stroll. I said, fuck you. And then the year <laughs> after, I ran 30 in 30 days and went to work every day. Wow. So my day was get up run a half marathon, feed my son, drive 30 miles to take care of this kid that was an addict, drive 30 miles home, walk my dog, right? Have mm-hmm. dinner with the family, get up at three in the morning, set up a race, did it for 30 days straight. Didn't miss a day. 400 miles in a month. 
Now, that's a positive shit right there, son. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you why. Someone asked me how you saw hardcore. I said, dude, I did an eight ball of cocaine for 30 days straight. What's running? <laughs> and my wife, my wife even said to me, do you think it's going to kill you? I said, dude, if I can get through the cocaine and the drinking every day, running, running ain't going to kill me. And if it does, leave an open cast because I'll be ripped like Jesus. I was shredded. I was <laughs> oh like, my God. Got no, nothing on me. I was like so emaciated after I finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I looked like a crackhead, <laughs> but I was sober. Oh so, my God. you know what I mean? It's always yeah. about. Look, here's the thing I, I, I look at life like this, right? In life, we don't know how much time we've got in a body. There's an expiration date, right? Yep. So, when you're presented with information to really be live an empowering life, right? It's really simple, right? When you're faced with an obstacle, you don't face, don't look at why it's happening. You say, how can I stretch and grow from this opportunity? And if you can reprogram your brain to look at every opportunity as, as an opportunity to grow and, and you are the student, guess what? Life is the teacher. I, I, I feel a little more right? positive after this podcast, Rock. I don't know but about you, true. pal. Like, it's if, true. If, if, if it something true. doesn't go your way, right, what do you say? Okay, I'm learning patience today. Yeah. If someone lies to you, you go, you know what? I'm going to be authentic. You learn how to be authentic and honest, yeah. right? If someone steals from you and screw, they say, like, right, that guy needs the money more than me. So you show compassion. Because if you have a scarcity mindset in a world we take nothing with us, you're fucked. But if you have an abundance mindset and you remove that any fear and doubt that the universe will pay you if you bring value to other people, right? So That's people well focus said. on three things which fuck them up. They go, I don't have enough time. And I sit with them and go, show me your 24 hours. And I go, you're wasting major time on minor things. Yeah. And I restructure their lives, right? So okay. if I say to someone well, why do you have a BMW? They're like, well, I need, I, need, I need a car. No, you need transport. That's a want. Can you afford a BMW, right? So then I go, okay, money. So I can't make money. Well, can you bring value to other people? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what are you good at? Be so good you can't be ignored. Learn a fucking skill. Be really good at it. Be committed. Be self-disciplined. Bring value to people. They'll fucking pay you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, There's uh, a standard, right? And it's not YouTube. It's like they say, you want to make the Olympics, right? And you run against the best in the world. Yeah. You'll know how good you are if you level up or not, right? So yeah. in my business, if I do an intervention, I'm only as good as my intervention. But if I can keep people getting into rehab and getting them sober, and at the end of the day, they're like, oh, we're going to hire this guy because he's committed to helping people get sober, right? Now, the third thing where people screw up, they're like, I don't have enough resources. No, be resourceful. Be resourceful. Work with what you have in the present moment, right? Everyone's too focused of, oh, when I get there, there's no getting there. <laughs> there's no such thing as arriving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. your shit together in the moment. You want to run a fucking marathon, right? You can walk it with, with sandals on. People said, oh, the pandemic. Oh, I couldn't work out. These are the people that never went to the gym. I'm like, dude, I do push-ups in the house. Go for a walk. Do you know what I mean? It's a simple philosophy when people say, oh, I can't lose weight. I'm like, it's really simple. Calories in, calories out. No one is going to be shredded if they don't starve. It's really simple. Yeah. <laughs> you can look at any magazine you want, right? Yep. If, if, if you want to be really, really shredded and people say, oh, this person's on drugs, I'm like, take all the drugs you want. But that doesn't, drugs don't give you discipline. If you really want to be in good shape, and I know it running 30 half marathons, it didn't matter what I did the day before. It didn't matter what was going to tomorrow. All I could do is focus in the moment on what's going on. So, so let me, you know what I mean? Go, 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 ask. Yep. So let me ask you, obviously, you're somebody who's always willing to bet on themselves and you're a hard worker. And anything that you're teaching these people, they have to put in the work. So how do you approach somebody that, is basically lazy. Here's a good thing. So what I do is I do a thing called the one percent rule. So you guys are in the on the East Coast, right? Jersey, yeah. Jersey, Jersey, Jersey. perfect. I'm in California. So let's just say there's a direct a direct line from me to go to you guys, and it's a simple path, right? Now there's going to be people trying to pull you off the path because every human being tries to avoid pain and gain pleasure, right? Yeah. So. 
if I am on a simple road and I go, I'm going to go walk straight to see you guys on the way, there's going to be distractions. One, one degree either way is going to take me way off course. The ripple effect, right? So think about the ripple effect of a good habit and a bad habit. So the way I work with people is this. If someone tells you they want to lose 100 pounds, I don't worry about the 100 pounds. I worry about the first five pounds. Okay? It's chunking it down. The micro process will get you to the macro goal. And it's just giving them consistent wins, the small wins to give them the confidence every day. So that's all I focus on. Like I don't ever tell someone you need to be sober for the rest of your life. I say, today, let's work on being sober. Because people say, well, when I get a million dollars, if you can't save a hundred, you can't save a million. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Do you know Very what I mean? true. Oh, yeah. give, give an asshole a million dollars, he's still the same asshole. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. So it's what within that we spit out. So what I try to do is be kind, calm, and patient with someone and work with where they're at. I don't expect anyone to run 30 fucking half marathons in 30 days. I'm out of my mind, but I I know I'm out of my mind. I've been out of my mind since I was a kid. (laughs) I bet on myself all day. I don't give a fuck. I just lay down the bets. If you tell me I can't do it, I go, no, you can't do it. I can buy the book. And every time I then discipline myself like a savage to know the level, right? So I wasn't a good writer but I studied and modeled what a good writer was. Yeah. And Stephen King, who's the top author, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't need much information. He said he sucked at the start. I said, okay, I didn't know that. He said he bought a nail and put the nail on his wall. And every time the nail would fill with rejection slips, he'd buy a bigger fucking nail. I'm like, <laughs> okay. That means he wasn't great at the start, right? So what's his process? And I studied him and he said, great writers write between 1,000 and 3,000 words a day. So what did I do? I timed myself writing to figure out. And I said, shit, I'm going to have to get up at three in the morning and I'm going to have to write six hours a day, right? Yeah. So I committed to that. Yeah. So I wrote two books back to back. I'm on my third book, fourth book and my second book sold. Now, here's the thing. I got it edited by a top editor. I wanted to get a publishing deal. I got to do another rewrite for the fucking publisher. (laughs) Do I want to do that? No. Yeah. But here's the standard, right? If I want to be published and I want something, you've got to go through the process. Yeah. Right. So when I tell people, it's like, do you really want to change? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, then there's a process. So how's this? Mm -hmm. I had a meeting with my publishing deal. It took me a year to sell the book, 15 rejections, Two agents later, I went through the back door, got the deal I wanted. Okay. Ben Bella Books, Matt Holt's imprint through Random House. Couldn't be happier, right? Had a team meeting. The book will come out exactly a year from today. Okay. Right? Wow. For 12 months, you're like, fuck, I've got a third book and a fourth book ready. I'm two cycles ahead. Now here's the work. I have to commit every fucking day to stay on point. That's hard. Do you see what I mean? Well, I'll tell you why. Let's say you make the NFL, right? Only 1%, only a very few percent people get published now because COVID made everyone write books, right? So it's hard to get a publisher. Hard to make the NFL. So you're sitting on the sidelines. Most people are going to sit on the sidelines, get kicked back, get kicked back, not train. But then there's a motherfucker like Tom Brady that's like, oh, you let me in? I'm shutting this shit down. Pick 199. Pick one, whether you hate him or not, pick 199, right? Sixth in the draft. But as soon as other quarterback was injured, he jumped in. Six rings, goes to another team. He's too old. He wins with another team. That's process. Now he's coming back from retirement. That's all shit. <laughs> so excited just, about that. <laughs> but isn't he a legend? Like, think about yeah. the mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about the mentality. The he goes, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. He'll probably win again. That's the process. And all I tell people is this. Look, look, it's not the most talented person. Talent gets you in the door. Talent gets you the break. And and most of the successful people aren't the ones that shine brightest at the start. But here's what they do. If you do the work in the dark when no one's looking, you don't get exposed in the bright lights. You shine in the bright lights. And preparation, right, 
An opportunity is luck. But if you're not prepared, you don't get the opportunity. Yep. Right on. Right? Well, so you just fucking drop the hammer. Every- Look, no guarantee. This could be the last podcast I do. I lost friends during COVID. 48, 40- I lost a bunch of friends, brain and neurons, this. So every day I wake up, every day I wake up, I try to either do- drop a dose of positivity on someone, lift someone. I don't start, I may start my day here. I, I make sure I'm here and I take everyone with me because you know why? Every person we meet, if I meet you two guys, I didn't meet you. I meet, ev- I meet every person that you touch and every person you've touched. So if I'm a good dude and I make it part of my personal philosophy to be a kind motherfucker, right? And yeah. if I see someone and they're down and I lift their spirits and I just give them that dose, guess what? The next person they touch, they subconsciously feel good and touch that person in a nice way. Now, life goes full circle. So one day I could be randomly fucking sitting there and guess what? My name will come up. They're like, dude, remember? How did he make me feel? Right? Right? So how's this? You post a picture on Instagram. This is how, how people work. And you have 999 people like the picture and one motherfucker says, I fucking hate you. We spend most of our time worrying why that person said that. So imagine if you go around your life every day from this day forward and you're a nice person and you're kind and you drop a dose of positivity on someone and make them feel good. Do you understand just in the universe, the ripple effect and the law of attraction that everywhere you go, whatever says people are only going to say nice things so what happens? You don't have work. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because you've created so many, they call them weak ties and strong ties, right? So many weak ties, which are acquaintances in your network, that your network becomes your net worth. That's awesome. Right? I don't have to worry about my six degrees of separation. If I want, want something is one, one degree. And guess what? I give. I don't give a fuck. If someone yeah. wants something, I go, can you level up? Because if I do a reference for you and you can level up, I'll walk you in the door, yeah, yeah, but I yeah. can't do it for you. I can get you to the start of the marathon and get you a reference, but you've got to drop the hammer. You've got to, and if you're not ready, it's okay. I'll help you get ready, but don't tell me you're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Don't because if you're not ready to walk it, walk the talk, then people look at me and go, "Dude, come on, man." Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. But like, look, people walk around and think there's shitty people in the world. No, there's not. There's good fucking people in the world. And if you're a good person and you help people, others will help you. You know, you can't walk around thinking life sucks. Life doesn't suck. Mike, Life's okay. I, I, I commend you, your outlook. More people need that attitude for sure. <laughs> you, you're, I, I knew that. Uh, no, I, I knew that when I heard you on Cane uh, uh, and that I just, I needed to talk to you. Not only for the snitch thing, but I needed to talk to you just because of the, your positive outlook on life. And I needed to have this on the podcast, and I I, I I feel overwhelmed with joy. And I'm not even I'm not even fucking around. I feel overwhelmed with joy, and I could feel just your your aura all over. I know it's a fucking well, video. You know what but, it is? You know what Everyone tried to beat it out of me as a kid, right? I was around fucking negative people all my life, and someone said I was abused mentally and physically. Dude, my third grade teacher used to bring me up the front of school, didn't didn't ask why I was having trouble reading, and make all the kids laugh at me while I read. Oh. Right, Jesus. and I was like, these motherfuckers don't know where I'm gonna go. How? And I would tell these kids they grew up to me from fifth, five, six years old, and I would tell them I'm moving to America one day. I fucking guarantee you. I'm going to fuck shit up in America. And kids to this day that went to school, we go, too. we used to laugh at you. We yeah. see you on TV shows now writing books and like you did it. I go, yeah, because I didn't listen to you guys because other people's opinion is not your reality and your past does not define your future. If you want something bad enough in your soul, people asked me the other day, someone got offended on a podcast and they said, do you do affirmations? I said, no. They're like, why? And I said, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I don't do affirmations. A tiger doesn't go to jungle school. (laughs) I am is different to I fucking know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. I am is different. I believe. I don't, I don't believe. I fucking know. If I show up and do the work and outwork people, I will be successful. And I told people, I said, it's really simple. If I go to America with nothing and I'm prepared to sacrifice and work, I will succeed. 
I'm right. I succeed in everything I do, but I fucking sacrifice and I work. So I always say to people, when a tiger quits work, right? There's no severance pay. Someone dies. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so if tiger. you really, right? If you really, unless it's Tony the tiger, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So I say to people, if you have a purpose and you're driven, don't, don't worry about how you feel. Passion yeah. and feelings are bullshit. Purpose. Purpose. Go, to the, go inside yourself and figure out what you're good at. And what you're good at, right, you know deep down but you've had to try and fit into a system as a young kid or a cultural system or everyone tells you can't bullshit with enough time and enough effort, right? You can learn something. I'll tell you what, I'll give it to you this way. Four ways of learning anything we do, right? You're unconscious and you're incompetent. You don't know what you don't fucking know, right? Then you become consciously incompetent. You know now what you don't know. Yep. Right. So it starts off really hard and then it goes into messy. Right. Now, through through the mess, if you push through and you've got purpose and you're driven, right, then you become consciously competent. Right. You're good. Ah, there's one more trick before you get in flow. It's called unconscious competence when it's ingrained in your subconscious. Right. That you just fucking get into flow, whatever you do. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. What people do is here. Any look, Slash started playing guitar at 14. Think about that. Yeah. Not five like Mozart, but played 12 hours a day. Yeah. Got right? hours in. Yep. Right. I ran 30 half marathons in 30 days. A seasoned athlete, a seasoned runner, right? Yep. A se- I'm, not, I'm not a seasoned long distance runner, but I wanted to show people what can be done if you have motivation and drive and purpose. Yeah. Even if he's a seasoned runner, if he hasn't been running, he'll have trouble running 30 half marathons in 30 days. It's a half marathon every day. Yeah. Right? So that means if I can close that gap from where I am to where I want to be, because there's always a gap, right? Think about it. There's a financial gap. I want that much money. All right, how are you going to close the gap? There's a gap in your relationship. We're not getting a desired result. How are you going to close it? Right? There's a gap in your skill. Okay, do some fucking work. Yeah, yeah. Get more skillful. Hey, uh, hey, Ryan. Rock. Go. Rock. Yes, sir. I need a Mike Diamond alarm clock. Seriously, <laughs> bro. Seriously, have him instead we, of a buzzer. Him every single day. Have <laughs> him fucking people. Have you him know go off I'm at doing? five in the morning. You know, uh, you know what I'm doing. Actually, this is funny. So I'm doing a podcast called A Dose of Positivity. But you know what I'm doing as well, which I came out of nowhere. I, I said to the guy, I should do them. I'm doing a thing called a three minute dose. Okay. So I'm recording daily doses that you can download in three minute clips that are basically positive doses. Yeah, like yeah, you're having yeah. a rough day. Bang. And then Very it, good. it jumps up. At, you know what I mean? Because yeah. people need just a little little shot in the arm sometimes. And here's another thing. Like, people ask me why I'm so honest. I wouldn't have a book deal if I wasn't honest. I wouldn't have the things I've got in my life if I wasn't honest. People don't want to share the, the pain they go through and the bullshit, right? But that's the truth. I may not want to get up. Look, 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 I can be straight. If I could get away with snorting coke, banging strippers and doing crazy shit and eating junk food all day and feel good, I'd do it. i feel miserable. I try it. It's horrible. <laughs> it's fucking awful after five, eight balls and a bunch of vodka. And yeah. you're like, dude, this is, I don't, fit. so you see what I'm saying? It's a yes. disempowering choice. Yes, yes, yes. So it's, I try to tell people like you can do it that way, but there's a reason it doesn't feel good. It's toxic. Well, you know what I mean? So it's like, so go, go. No, no. I, I was just going to say, all I, all I hope is that it, this podcast reaches one of our listeners and just, you know, maybe get your book, listen to your video, turns it around. If they're feeling down, if they're feeling, uh, you know, if they're just not, if life is just not working for them right now, you know? Here's the best thing that no one ever taught me that I tell people, and I don't give a fuck who tells you the opposite. And I don't care if you walk around and say that crazy strange guy, Mike Diamond, told me to say this. Everyone is enough. You're enough. You're enough just the way you are. You don't have to fucking change. And this is what I mean by that is that you just have to make empowering choices. That's it. 
right? If someone tells you you're not good enough, it's bullshit. You just haven't given yourself enough time to get good. Do you know what I'm saying? And don't beat yourself up. You've got to start somewhere. So give it a fucking shot. I look, I, the only reason I succeeded in anything is I am prepared to constantly fail and I use failure as feedback. I am prepared to make a fucking mess. So what people don't see is when an artist paints, there's shit on the floor everywhere. When a writer writes, it's 10 fucking, you know, edits before it comes. When a good actor performs in a film, he does a bunch of takes, right? So what they're not doing is they're in their head with their inner critic thinking, oh, I fucked up. Fuck up. Keep fucking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep making a mistake. Keep failing forward. And eventually you get good. You see that, Rock? Even you could fuck up all the time. And, and you might make something out of your life. There's no hope. There's no hope. <laughs> no, think about this. No, bullshit. Think about this. This is a true story. Yeah. I know a guy that Bill Gates, not Bill Gates, uh, Bezos went to him and said, do you want to invest in Amazon? He goes, dude, you sell fucking books out of your garage. You're an idiot. (laughs) Think about that. Think about that. How about this? Shaq. I love Shaq. You know what what Shield said to Shaq? One of the first investors in Starbucks. Shaq goes, black people don't drink coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look, someone said to me the other day, do you think your book will be a bestseller? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, why? And I'm like, because you know the work I'm going to do to make it a bestseller. I said, I will make sure I connect with the first thousand readers personally. And I learned this, but, and this is what people don't understand. The owner of South by Southwest, and think about this, for anyone that talks about, they think they know what success is, would write 9,000, 9,000 birthday cards a year personally wow so think about this for anyone listening if you have a business right and you go okay you know what i'm going to go out and i am going to commit to finding five thousand of five thousand people and be of service to them that's a fucking army because that is like compound interest you didn't just get five thousand you got their five thousand and their five thousand and their five thousand that's what people Mm -hmm. fail they try to they, they they try to shoot for the moon, but they don't realize the process along the way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you can lift people up, you take them along with the journey. You help people. That's see, a real look. It's two types of people in the world, right? A boss is a travel agent. A leader is a tour guide. <laughs> they fucking Rock. take you with you, <laughs> right? Rock, you're gonna write that down, Rock. Oh, right? hell yeah. They take you, a fucking yeah. tour guide. They grab you by the hand. They're like, I walked, I've walked this journey. I'm going to show you how it's done. Yeah. That's a fucking leader. Yeah. Leaders inspire you because they're tour guides. They're not fucking travel agents. Anyone can delegate. Uh-huh. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You want to oh, get yeah. around people that lift you because they take action. And like they say, hang out with five crackheads, you'll be number six. Nah. Hang out with five. <laughs> hang out with five millionaires. You'll be the sixth. Mike, love it, th- dude. Thank you fucking so much for coming on, man. Thank you so much. Really, like this means a lot to us, and I hope it means a lot to the people listening. And no problem, man. Congratulations on the book. The book coming out. Can you please just tell everybody, you know, where they can find you and what you got? They can out? find me on uh, the book's called Seven Steps to an Unbreakable Mindset. I'll probably come on again before the other, the other book launches and I'll probably Hell do yeah. something in New York. So I'll meet up. Um, and now Hell here's yeah. another thing. If someone's struggling with their mental health, I have a supplement called mind focus fuel. Okay. Okay. It, you can go to diamondlifefuel.com. It'll elevate your mood, um, give you sustained energy, clarity, no jitter, no crash. I designed it that way. So you can take it. it you don't have to work out with it. Yeah, You could take it. It'll make you want to work out. But if you're just a regular person that wants to feel good and, you don't, and you're too jacked up on coffee and it's killing you. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the Mike underscore, the Mike underscore diamond okay. is on all the social media. Awesome. Awesome. Dude, Woo. thank you so much. I'm no fuck, problem. Fucking ready. Where, hey, where, where, do we, where do you get those, uh, those, those daily three-minute uh, I'll start sending them out. So what I'll do is uh, – 
the podcast is getting edited now, and then I, once it launches, I'll be I'll be dropping them, and I'll I'll send them out all through social media so people get a daily dose. Quick, quick can't, shot. Can't wait. Yeah, hopefully, you know, one day we will meet each other and we'll share yeah, some stories. Yeah, I mean, things are opening up now, which is great. Like, Absolutely. we can actually function and we're not so, like, locked down <laughs> like in primitive world like savages. Oh, oh one, more, one, one more thing, and I wrote this yeah. down just because I, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. So uh, when you were on Kane and Corey, they were uh, they were messing around. They were like, oh, my God, you're like a uh, like a bounty hunter for crackheads. Yeah, and and I said to myself, as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh, they started to say, oh, you should get a show about it, you know, whatever." I'm like, "Call it Diamond in the Rough." Let's Ooh, go. That's good. Let's go. <laughs> the great that's Mike good. Diamond. The great Mike Diamond. Everybody, ladies and gentlemen, brother, thank you very much, and uh, be safe out there, man. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It was awesome. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the great Mike Diamond. Ooh, man, from his blog to his speaking to his books to his podcast. That's a dose of positivity. Holy shit. Rocky, there is hope for you, bro. Listen, everyone out there, go to themikediamond.com and check it out. Get his books, man. Listen to some of his fruitful knowledge that could just possibly maybe i don't know boost you up if you're if you're feeling down i know this podcast definitely set my mind into a different direction different a different outlook on certain things i'm going to try to adapt it to myself see what happens <laughs> you guys have no idea out there that club that he partly owned in new york in the early 2000s called Snitch was one of the coolest fucking rock nightclubs ever. And when I mean ever, fucking celebrities, bands, the the feel, the ambiance, that club was so fucking cool. I wish something like that would come back. As a local band from New Jersey playing that club, oh man, I, I'll never forget to this day, the, the curtain opened the first time we played there. And uh, people were just against the stage, just waiting for rock and roll. They were probably probably waiting for like a really cool band, and then they they got us. <laughs> anyway, themikediamond.com. Check them out if you need some positivity. So with that being said, Rocco, what do you have to say to the people? If you just heard us talking to our boy Mike and you're happy because there's no baseball strike, you tell any J.O. you see to go take a hike and you just went to our Facebook page and gave it a like, then you just listened to Not These Two Fucking Guys podcast. Yep. I think that was Titanic. Uh, whoops. Well, oh, and by the I, way, speaking, speaking of that, there was room for two people on that fucking little thing she was floating on. Just saying. Yeah. Fucking, fucking douche. Yeah. Way to go, Rose.